Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. We are glad that you are here. Glad you are joining us. We got a we got a lot of new listeners lately, so uh, welcome to all of you. Glad that you are here. And uh, so, whether this is your first time listening or you've been at it for uh, been hanging out with us for a long time, we are, again honored and excited that you are joining us today. Hey, would you do us a favor? Would you leave us a review on iTunes or uh, wherever you listen to podcasts? Subscribe to the podcast. Share it with with other people. Let someone know. Just pick one person. One person in your phone right now. One person on your radar who needs to be, they need some help whenever it comes to their speaking business. Let them know about the podcast. Hey, hey, it's totally free. Just give them a shout. Hey, go listen to this episode. Help me out. It could help you out. Would you do that for us? That's all we ask. That's all we ask, right? Not too much. Hey, also we have a, uh, a new tool. If you haven't heard this before, uh, if you have an Amazon Echo, we have a brand new show exclusively in your Alexa app called the Speaker Lab Minute, where we share daily speaking tips all in just literally about a minute. So if you look up the Speaker Lab Minutes in your Alexa app, add it to your daily flash briefing. Then as you get ready for the day, you can literally just ask Alexa for your flash briefing and you'll have a brand new speaking tip seven days a week. So we uh, we hope to see you there. All right. So today we are talking with Brian Dean from Backlinko. We're going to be talking about all things SEO. So we're going to be talking about what exactly is SEO? Why should you even care about it? We're going to talk about how to determine the proper keywords that you should be targeting as a speaker. Talk about the difference between on-page and off-page optimization, why you need to pay attention to YouTube as a search channel, and then also how to optimize your demo video for YouTube search. So this is a really, really practical, applicable episode that I think you're really going to get a lot out of. So make sure you get something to write with, pen, pencil, marker, crown, lipstick, lipstick, chapstick, nail polish, blood, whatever you need to use. Get something ready to uh, to scribble with because we got a, we got a lot of good stuff coming at you. So let's get right into it. Here's uh, my conversation with Brian Dean. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here today, joined by my buddy Brian Dean from Backlinko. And we're going to be talking all about SEO and how to make sure that your site is optimized for search traffic. So uh, how are you today, my friend? I'm great, Grant. How are you? Doing well, doing well. So for context sake, why don't you give us a little background on what exactly is Backlinko and what is the SEO world that you, you play in? So Backlinko is an SEO training company, and we teach people how to rank in Google and YouTube. But most people know the site as the blog, the Backlinko great. blog, which gets about um, 3 million visitors every year. It's one of the top SEO blogs. And we try to put out content that's really actionable right. as opposed to theory. And I'll do the same on this podcast episode. Perfect. And the world I'm in is just basically SEO. Yeah, trying to get more traffic from Google. That's yeah. the name of the game. So SEO, for people who aren't familiar, stands for? Oh, search engine optimization. All right. And so basically, what, what exactly does that mean? So for someone who's going like, I have a website, I've heard of SEO, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know, like, from just a, a, an elementary basic level, 
What do we need to be thinking about and considering? Why should this matter? So it basically means getting your site to rank higher in Google. That's the ultimate goal. How you do it is a whole field, and we can, we'll talk about strategies today. But the main reason you want to do it is that right now, there are people searching for what you sell. And if you're a speaker, people are searching for chef speakers, right. blogging speakers, florist speakers, every speaker under the sun. There are maybe a lot of people, but there are people searching for exactly what you do. So if you want to get more gigs and more speaking engagements, SEO has to, should be a big part of your strategy and blogging in general, because you just get more eyeballs to your site. And chances are a few people who run events or um, are the, in charge of getting speakers are going to see you, watch your stuff, be impressed, and then hire you. Right, right. So, okay. So if, if I've got my website, got my site, and I'm, I'm, I have some idea of who I want to be speaking to, what it is that I speak about, and I know that there are people out there that are searching for what it is that I do... Like, where do I even begin? What are some of the steps in the process that I need to begin thinking through to make sure that my site is uh, is optimized so that, like you said, whenever people are searching for those key words that resonate with what I do and what it is that I offer, that hopefully I am coming up, especially on that first page, but ideally in those first couple of results that people are are hopefully clicking on and, and leading to business. So where do, like, where do we even begin with this process? So the first step would be to define your niche and you know what kind of speaker are you? And this goes beyond SEO, but it actually helps SEO a lot. So Google recently released some guidelines that are for people that rate the search results. So these are basically people who search for stuff in Google, yeah. look at the results and say, this is a good set of, you know, good first page, this is a bad first page. And one of the things they're really emphasizing is something called EAT, which stands for Expert, Authority, and Trust. And it basically means, are you really an expert in this space? And Google, through its sophisticated stuff, can measure that. Yeah. So if you are saying, like, I'm a general speaker who speaks about everything, yeah. it's going to be harder to rank. But if you're an expert in one niche, it's good marketing in general, but it also can help your SEO. So I would start there. Right. And so that's one of the things that we talk about just in general with speakers is that the more broad and vague and general you try to be, and the more you try to appeal to everybody, really the reality is, is you're appealing to nobody. And so it feels a bit counterintuitive that the more focused, more narrow, more niche you become, actually the easier it is to find bookings. And ultimately, as it relates to SEO, the easier it is for people to find you because it's something a lot more specific versus just a speaker, motivational speaker, keynote speaker, you know, some of these broad, general, vague type of terms. Absolutely. It's, it makes sense. I remember I used to be a freelance writer. And when I first started, I struggled a lot. And one of the reasons was I was just like, Brian, the freelance writer. Right. And the problem is not only is it hard to get work, but you can't charge as much because you're not an expert in anything. You're just a generalist. Right. And then because I had a nutrition background, I started to focus on nutrition articles and nutrition eBooks. And that opened the door to higher paying gigs and getting more of them. It just makes everything easier, including SEO. Right, right, right. So in terms of just like getting it narrowed down to a specific niche, like how deep should we be thinking about on this as it relates to SEO? Because I know from dabbling a little bit on this, uh, on our stuff, that there are, you start to find keywords and things that people are searching for of some keynote speaker in Tennessee or keynote speaker within a certain price range or like, I mean, you can get to some really niche types of keywords. So like, What's the ideal balance that we're looking for in terms of really narrowing it down to the keywords that we should be identifying ourselves as it relates to SEO? That's a good question. I think you should kind of do a barbell strategy. So you should have really niche stuff and then really broad stuff for your content. Okay. So it's like a two approaches. So one are all your services pages, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Those are things like the hyper-local 
speaker in keynote speaker in Nashville. That stuff, not many people are going to search for that. But those that do, when they find Grant's site, they're going to be like, perfect. He's a great speaker. He's in Nashville. Win. And even if 20 people search a month, you don't, as a speaker, you don't need that many gigs to pay the bills and and grow your business. So it's worth it to go after those really niche keywords or also, you know, uh, if you're a, a blogging expert, blogging speaker, are there a lot of blogging conferences? No, but there's quite a few and there's quite a few marketing conferences that talk about blogging. And more importantly, those keywords aren't competitive. So you can rank for them much easier than you could with something like keynote speaker, which is really, really, really hard. Right. And then for content, what I do is just create great content around your, your subject, your topic expertise. And what that's going to do is going to get links to your site and traffic to your site and people sharing your site, all the signals that Google wants to see, which will help all of your pages increase, including your services pages. A big mistake a lot of people make with SEO is they only create these services pages and their website really doesn't provide a ton of value. It's just me, 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 hire me. And Google doesn't want to rank those. So if you combine that with the content side, you can do really well. So I think like uh, on paper, like we could all kind of come up with, all right, here's some like keywords that I think would be good fits for me and what it is that I speak about. So let's say, for example, you know, I speak to small businesses about marketing, right? So if I'm speaking on that and I know I can think of, okay, small business speaker or marketing speaker or, you know, small business speaker in Nashville or whatever, or some of those just different combinations or keywords. But I also got to figure out like the balance of here's my ideas of them, but also here's what people are actually searching for. So what are the different tools that we should be using and how in depth should we get with it to determine what are people searching for and how do I make sure that my site is aligned with those keywords? The first thing I do, yeah, you don't is come up with those keyword ideas. That's where you're just brainstorming. Yeah. You don't need to worry about whether people, 10 people search for it or a million people search for it. It's just whatever you think someone would use to find you. And you might even want to ask family and friends because what happens is we know our businesses so well that we would search for what we do in a totally different way than right. someone who's off the street who has no idea totally. about our world. So there's a couple of tools I recommend. All of them are free or freemium and they're really good. The first is called seedkeywords.com. And what That's this easy. does, yep, seed keywords. And what this tool is, is it's a way to send basically a survey to different people and ask them how they would search for that thing. And this is great for the brainstorming mm-hmm. phase. So what you could do is say, how would you search for a marketing speaker for a conference in Boston? And then you send this link to as many people as you want, and they would type in what they would type into Google. And this can give you those kind of like outside the box ideas that would be really hard to think of on your own because you know your own stuff so well. Yeah. That's where I'd start with that brainstorming list. So I'd get your list, combine it with the seedkeywords.com list. And then I'd start typing stuff into kwfinder.com. Okay. That's a free freemium tool. The free version is pretty good. Obviously, the pain is better. I think you, most people can get more than enough from the free version. And what you need to do is just type in each one. And you can see how many people search for that keyword per month. And it also generates some ideas based on what you put in. They're not usually really outside the box ideas. They just tend to be variations. So if you put like marketing speaker or have like marketing speaker in New York or something like that, which you might've thought of already. That's why seed keywords are so powerful because it comes up with these ideas that you would never think of on your own. So anyway, you type those into there and then you're going to get an idea of what search volume is high and low. Like it depends on the industry. You know what I mean? If you're a fitness speaker, there might be more opportunities than 
if you talk about being a florist, you know, so it's all relative. I can't say make sure the keyword has X searches per month because it really varies depending on the industry. But in general, obviously, the higher, the better. But on the flip side, like you alluded to earlier, Grant, it's more competitive. Yeah. So it's a balance between the two. I think I would just when you're just starting out, go with the easy wins. You know, if small business speaker Nashville gets 10 searches a month, you can probably hit the top three pretty easily with that. I would start there and then gradually go for more competitive stuff. Gotcha. Okay. And so just in terms of what you're talking about, so the number of searches and just the search volume that someone's getting on a monthly basis or a keyword is getting on a monthly basis, it's also going to naturally translate to the competitiveness, like you said. So if one keyword is getting 10 searches a month, it's going to be a lot easier to get on the front page or the, the front page or the, even one of the top listings for that within Google versus targeting something like motivational speaker or keynote speaker that's going to have probably hundreds of thousands of searches per month and therefore we're going to be much, much more difficult to rank for. So look for those low-hanging fruit that's going to be a lot simpler to rank for quicker and, and sooner. Is that correct? Exactly. Got it. All right. So as we're looking through, we're kind of brainstorming our list. We're looking at what other people are actually searching for. We've got a list of potential keywords that we want to identify and, and kind of build our site around, so to speak. How many keywords should we be targeting, right? So, I mean, you could come up with a list of, you know, hundred, if not hundreds of different variations of all these types of keywords. So at what point does it just feel like I'm just <laughs> all these searches of 10, 15, 20, 50, and I'm trying to go after all of them. I'm assuming it's hard to be effective with that. So what's the right balance there? So I'd recommend for services pages. So the content side is totally different because the sky's the limit. Like you could just, no matter what you, you speak about, there are tons of blog posts you could write on that topic. But yeah. just for the service page side, which is ultimately the goal is to get someone to find you from searching for a keyword like that. I'd go with five to 10 to start with because the rub is you have to create a unique piece of content around each of these different keywords. Okay. You can't just say, oh, I'm Grant Baldwin and I'm a marketing speaker, blah, blah, blah. And one page and the other page say, I'm Grant Baldwin. I'm a small business marketing speaker <laughs> that worked back in the day, but Google's a lot smarter now. So you have to really write something about yourself that is unique to that keyword and it's also good for conversions. That person finds you and they see that the content is specifically about what they search for. They're going to convert better, but it's also going to help your SEO too. But if you have 50 of these, it's going to be really hard to write 50 different pages around different related topics. So I, I recommend most people stick to five to 10. And even as your site grows, you don't really usually need more than five to 10. What you can do is just instead of targeting one that gets 10 a month, you can go to 100 as right. your site gets more authority. Yeah. I mean, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning there, if you, let's say you target 10 different keywords that each get, let's say 20 searches a month, and that's 200 cumulative searches there. Uh, you really only need a couple of gigs out of that in order for it to make the math work. So it's not like we're looking for, I need thousands of searches a month, especially when you're doing something service-based like speaking, there's just only so much you can handle anyway. So targeting the right keywords where, like you said, searching for you know small business speaker in Nashville and they find your site, it's going to be like, oh, this is exactly what I'm looking for versus again, something kind of big, broad and big. So, all right. So if I got my list of five or 10 keywords that I want to target, one of the things that you kind of alluded to was that creating some specific piece of content around each of those keywords. So it's not just, I got some keywords and I, you know, I stuff them in somewhere and some backend tagging system or whatever, but I, I need to do something that's going to actually connect with Google to show that I know what I'm talking about. So kind of talk us through that. What do, what do we need to be thinking through with that to, to actually go after, so to speak, those five to 10 keywords? So Google basically works with two different ways of looking at your site and figuring out where to rank it. So one is all the stuff on your site. 
So that's the content. Those are the keywords you use. Things like the title tag, you know, all that stuff Google looks at to kind of figure out what, what's the page about. Yeah. Very simple. They look at it. It says, you know, small business speaker Nashville. Boom. We know what that's about. You use that keyword a couple of times, related keywords. Google is very sophisticated now. You don't need to do like keyword stuffing or anything. They could pretty much understand not crazy far off what a human would. Yeah. On the other hand, they use off-page stuff to figure out if you're a real authority in your space. Because anyway, I could right now, I'm not a professional speaker. I've spoken at a lot of events, but I'm by no means a pro. I could create a website today. I don't live in Nashville and create a Nashville small business website right. about how I'm the best speaker in Nashville. No offense, Grant. <laughs> and how I'm better than Grant Baldwin in every way. But <laughs> Google is going to look at that and say, no, you're not. They know no one's linking to your site. No one's sharing your site. No one's talking about you online as a speaker. So Grant, you're going to crush me in the search results because you're actually an authority in that world. So it's about nailing the two sides. And that's why when I say, if you create a site and your entire site is five pages optimized around different service-based keywords, Google's not going to wreck you for anything because you don't have those signals. Who would link to that site? Who would share that site? So those are kind of the two things you need to do. The content is pretty much like one and done when it comes to services pages. You just write it, try to make it compelling. Obviously, try to convert people, uh, convert people as well. And then everything else is the off-page stuff. And that's why most SEO effort goes towards creating content and getting signals back to your site like links. Okay. So on both sides of those equations, then the on-page and the off-page, on the on-page, so you mentioned just the, one of the key pieces, obviously, just creating really, really good content. So are you talking about basically just creating, uh, if I wanted to target you know, a small business speaker in Nashville, am I creating a blog post around that? Or what exactly am I creating that would be the on-page compelling content? I would just create a service page that talks about what you do, why people should hire you, your expertise. Because in the old days, like even a couple of years ago, it would make sense to create a blog post because that's more of a piece of content. And yeah. Google likes content versus a service page. But over time, Google has figured out what the intent of someone searching is and trying to meet that intent. So if you search for like black Nikes, Nike Airs, they're not going to show you a blog post about like 10 things that are great about black Nike Airs. It's going to be like Amazon, Walmart.com because they know people are searching for that want to buy and they don't mind putting that type of page in front of people. And it's the same for a keyword like that. So as long as the keyword has intent to hire or to learn about an actual speaker then I would go with the service page and that's pretty traditional and you know aimed at converting people into hiring. And so what I should be doing is just using those those five or ten keywords that we came up with and just using those in the like those specific keywords, small business speaker in Nashville and using those a place or two throughout that services page. Is that the nutshell? Well I would create a different service page for every little niche that you're sub niche that you're okay. in. So maybe a location-based one. So it would be like, you know, small business speaker in Nashville. And then maybe another one that's just like a marketing speaker or a content speaker or a business growth speaker. As long as it's different. If it's just a variation of the same keyword, Google is smart. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to create one page around business speaker in Nashville and another one about business speaker in Nashville TN. Right. You know, Google knows that the, that there's the same and you don't need to create two different pages around them. So okay. it just depends if the topic is actually different. If so, I'd create five or 10 around them. It's going to rank better. And also the click through rate is going to be better when people are searching in Google because they're going to see that title matches exactly what they're searching for and they're going to be more likely to click on it. And it's just better for SEO to create a different page for every topic as long as they're really different. Okay. And so I was going to say, I think that seems like a key point there is making sure that they are truly different and it's not just a very subtle 
wording difference there. So if, okay, so let's say for example, I, I think about like when I was doing a lot of speaking in the education space, there were variations of keywords like high school speaker, youth speaker, teen speaker, education speaker. Like they're all saying the same thing and they're all kind of leading to the same place. So what do you do in that situation where, you know, if you say uh, marketing speaker, advertising speaker, and kind of all these variations of the same thing, but they're all going to be different things of what people are searching for. So how do you approach the on-page stuff when, when it comes to that? Well, first I question whether those are really the same, because there's a reason different people search for different terms. And sometimes it's just one day you search for advertising speaker, another one you search for marketing, whatever your mood, you just watch Mad Men, so you search for advertising speaker, (laughs) whatever. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just a randomness. Like you said, they actually are the same, but sometimes there really are subtle but distinct differences between why people search for quote, the same thing with different keywords. So what I do is to check, this is really easy, search for one version of the keyword in Google and then another version in Google and compare them. If Google has the same results relatively in the same order, that shows that Google sees them as the same keyword. If the results are pretty different, then you know that there's an intent difference too and there's a content difference and your content should be different as well. Okay, cool. Okay, so let's switch gears and talk about the off page. So, all right, on page, we're creating good content and creating uh, using those keywords in you know our services post or anything like that. On the off page stuff behind the scenes, what do we need to be doing? What do we need to be paying attention to? So, the first thing you base that's almost a must is you need to start a blog. Okay. Like, if you're serious about getting traffic to your site and getting links and getting people to find you, a blog is the best way to do it. It's super good for SEO and it's just good for just getting people to your site and hiring you. You'd be surprised how many people hire me as a speaker. I'm not even a speaker. I don't have a speaker page because they find my site from Google. You know, I'm not optimized for like SEO speaker or anything, but they find me, watch my videos or read my content and say, Hey, Brian, we'd love to have you you be a keynote speaker at this event. All my speaking gigs have been from that. None have been from actually like the service page type searches. So for every, you know, one person you can get from like, you know, Nashville, Tennessee speaker, you can get 20 or 50 from just finding your blog and finding your content, depending on how popular it is. Right. It's not easy to grow a blog. It takes work. It's really hard, but the payoff is pretty huge, especially when it comes to just people finding you and getting those SEO signals. Now it doesn't mean you need to be like a full-time blogger, stop speaking and like chain yourself to your laptop and write a hundred articles right. every day. In fact, if you're an expert, it's pretty easy to write stuff and you don't need that much content to get the job done. I grew my blog in the early days in a very competitive world of SEO. Obviously, it's really hard to rank mm-hmm. in the SEO space. You know, I grew my blog from zero to 10,000 visitors a month with 10 blog posts. They were really good, yeah. but it was only 10. So, you know, when I say start a blog, I hope you didn't throw your phone into the <laughs> sink, turn the, put the water on, because it's not, as, it's not as intimidating as it might sound. You won't really need to produce that much content. Plus, if you know your stuff, like Gary Vee says, document instead of create. You really just need to document what you already know or transform your great speaking material into the written form. It's not that hard if you're an expert, which you are, to do like five blog posts that are really amazing. Got it. All right. I want to shift gears and talk about YouTube. Before we go over there, any final words of wisdom as it relates to just SEO for blog for for sites? So especially like because a lot of people are, are positioned as like a, a personal brand. And so I think about like in my situation, grantbaldwin.com, it's not necessarily a blog, but it's, you know, it, it's where I'm going to promote my myself as a speaker and some of the services that I would provide. So 
Any other just kind of overall words of wisdom on what we need to be thinking through or actions we need to take? Well, yeah, the biggest thing I would do is that the keyword research is really important because if you target the wrong keywords, then it doesn't matter how many of those signals you get, you're going to rank for stuff that no one searches for. Yeah. Or the keywords are going to be so, so competitive that you don't get in the first page. Either way, you're kind of out of luck. Yeah. So that's why that part's so important. I'm glad we emphasize that because a lot of podcasts that I go on, we, they just skip over that step and go into the other stuff. But without that, that's the foundation is keyword research. And that'll always be the foundation. So no matter when you're listening to this, whether it's 2030 and you're on your right. on the way to Mars colony, it's going to be the same <laughs> thing probably. So you're good there. Other than that, just in general, there's a, there's a direct relationship between how awesome your site is and how much traffic you get yeah. and how many conversions you get. So the, the cooler you can make your site, the more cool stuff you can put out. Just in general, Google is going to be able to measure that and the higher rankings you're going to get. Cool. I love it. And I love that exercise of thinking through if someone were searching for a speaker like you, what would they search for? What are the keywords that they would search for? And like you said, getting other people's perspective on that. Uh, some people who may be inside your industry, other speakers, and maybe outside your industry who they work at some company and they were just randomly tasked with finding a speaker and they don't really know where to begin. Because sometimes I've heard that, that expression before of it, it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. And so we can be so close to our own stuff. They're going, well, this is of course what people would search for. And the reality is like, nobody would search for that, right? You're just so close to it. You're, you just don't see it any other way. So really good exercise there. Okay, let's shift gears and talk about YouTube. You do a lot with YouTube, not necessarily advertising, but I guess YouTube SEO as well. Because YouTube is, I guess, I mean, for, for lack of a better term, it is a huge search engine. And we don't oftentimes think of it. We think of search engine like a Yahoo or like a Google or like a Bing or whatever the other ones are out there. But reality is, is like YouTube is a massive, massive search engine. And especially for speakers where people oftentimes want to see someone do their thing before they're willing to hire them. So talk about what you kind of the transition that you've made actually in the past couple of years of how much emphasis you're putting into YouTube and maybe what we should be considering as well with you with for speakers who may have a lot of footage and aren't sure what to do with it. So a couple of years ago, I got, I got started with YouTube because I just saw the opportunity like you. It's actually, you're right, Grant. It's the second world's second biggest search engine after Google. Wow. So bigger than being bigger than Amazon or any other search engine, there's a lot of them, but it's the biggest, second biggest one after Google. It's a distant second because Google's massive, but yeah. it's still second. But more important than the search engine is the fact that it's the second most popular website online even more than Facebook. Wow. People visit it more and people spend more time on it than Facebook, especially and that trend is going more in that direction as less and less people log, go to Facebook, spend less time on Facebook because of all the trauma and whatnot. There's just less people spending time on Facebook yeah. than before. Some of them go to Instagram, but a lot of them are, going, are spending that time on YouTube. So no matter what industry you're in, there's opportunity there. And a couple of years ago, I decided to try it out. You know, yeah. how hard is it to make a video and put it up? So I created a couple of videos, I put them up, nothing, you know, not Crickets. barely any views. And I promoted it, I had a, an audience at the time, promoted it, but you know, the audience would watch it and stuff. But then after that, it kind of died. And I tried it again and the same thing happened. And the experience of most people with YouTube is the same thing. They read about it, they get excited, YouTube's cool, they go all in, they struggle and they give up. Yeah. And I was the same, I did the same thing. And what I did was about two years ago, I decided to study successful channels. Their SEO stuff, but also their format, their style. I became someone who just watched YouTube a lot. Outside yeah. of the, my space, I'd watch business videos like Marie Forleo, but I would also watch video game, classic video game reviews. I'd watch like stupid videos, like people doing pranks and things like right, that, right. just to get an idea of like, what are vlogs 
like uh, Logan Paul and stuff to see what works on YouTube. Yeah. Because even though every industry is different, there's some commonality between what works. Like it was speaking. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what you speak about. If you're an awesome speaker, there's commonalities between the best speakers in the world, right? Totally, it's the same totally. thing with YouTube creators. So I decided to study them and then apply what I learned to a couple videos as like a last chance. Like I put two videos up. If these did well, I'd go for it. If not, YouTube's not for me. Or maybe even YouTube, no one cares about YouTube SEO on YouTube. Yeah. They want to watch cute cat videos. You know, maybe the topic just isn't there. <laughs> So luckily the first video did really well and the second video did even better. They now have like hundreds of thousands of views. And before I was getting like 3000 views. Yeah. So it made a big difference to change the formatting. And of course, because of that, more people are finding my site, signing up to my newsletter and, and all that stuff that's good for your business. But more important than that, it's great for building a personal brand. Cause like you said, Grant, people see you in action. So one thing to read is a service page. I'm a great speaker because of blah, blah, so-and-so at this conference said it was great. Right. But seeing you speak, there's no replacement for that. Yeah. So one of the key pieces that we teach speakers is it's, the, it's really important to have a demo video. And so demo video is going to be like a two or three minute video that's almost like a highlight reel, almost like a movie trailer of giving someone who's considering hiring you just a little glimpse of, if you hired me, this is what it's like. This is me you know, speaking to an audience and kind of get some sense there. So that video is oftentimes embedded on a speaker's website, but there's also people who are going to YouTube and searching for keynote speaker, marketing speaker, whatever the, the combination of, of keywords. And like you said, it is a search tool. So especially as it relates to a demo video, what things should we be thinking about of how we make sure that if someone's searching for those keywords that we were talking about in Google, they're searching for those on YouTube, that our, our demo videos are ideally coming up there? What should we be doing there? So the I would create your demo video like you want it to be. I wouldn't worry too much about like YouTube SEO. I don't know what, what your demo video like structure recommendations are, sure. but I'm assuming they're compelling, yeah, you yeah. know? So it's, right. it's probably naturally the kind of stuff that works well on YouTube. It's not boring and it's not like you're going to upload a, a 60 minute keynote that you gave that right. no one's going to sit through. So if, if it's a highlight reel, you're already in the right direction. My only recommendation would be to bump up your YouTube channel a little bit more using some material you have lying around or just create videos based on what you already know. So a lot of people will search for the marketing speaker and those type of keywords, but a lot of people search for Grant Baldwin. They find your site. They want to see if you're a good speaker. They're going to go to YouTube and search for your name. Yeah. And if the only video you have is one highlight reel, it definitely helps that process. But they, if they see your YouTube channel is active and they can get more of a sense of who you are and what you talk about, it's probably going to work better for conversions. Plus people can find those videos. So what you can do is you can cut up those videos. So instead of having a highlight reel, you do a two minute clip or a five minute clip. That's mm -hmm. about one topic and edit that down. So it works on YouTube, maybe add some graphics or transitions or B rolls and things to make it more compelling. And then you can rank for those keywords that are related to what you speak about. Yeah. So, you know, so you got like marketing speakers. So instead of just a highlight reel, which is all about me, it's the valuable part of the talk one chunk. And that also gives them an idea of what you talk about and it's valuable content for YouTube viewers. Got it. All right. So if I have, let's say, again, a 45 or 60 minute video, I'm typically not going to just post that and hope that someone watches the whole thing, which just typically isn't realistic. Most people just want to see a couple clips. So like you said, we, we have the primary demo video that we're pointing people to, but other pe people may say, hey, I like this. I'd love to see a few more minutes. So so taking that you know 45 or 60 minute talk and cutting it down into a couple different, you know, here's a five minute story, or here's a, you know, a little four minute lesson that I'm teaching on something very, very specific, or 
Here's a, you know, a six minute interaction with the audience or something like that that just shows a few more pieces there. So whenever we're, we're kind of cutting those together as some own standalone pieces, first of all, like what's the ideal length that those should be? Because obviously like most people's attention span when it comes to YouTube, I know for me, and I'm sure like most people, as soon as you open a video, you look at that timestamp and you're like, 14 minutes, like that's an eternity in online video land. So how long should our videos be? So I'm glad you brought that up because last year we did a YouTube ranking factor study okay. and we analyzed a million YouTube videos to see what all sorts of factors from SEO to HD versus standard def and all that stuff. And we found that longer videos actually did better in YouTube. Really? So about 10 minutes was a good length. And, so and long. if you correlate it up to 18 minutes, well, the reason is this. YouTube wants to keep people on YouTube. Okay. So for example, your video is two minutes and they finish watching it and they click away to YouTube. YouTube doesn't like that. But if you have an 18 minute video and people watch half or even 25%, yeah. that's already more than a two minute video. YouTube's going to like that. So it's kind of a hack. The problem is the click through rate on that stuff because of the, the timestamp. Yep. Some people won't be into it. And as, as a, for a talk that's not designed for YouTube, you definitely don't want to go too long yeah. because you can design videos for YouTube that are 18, 20, 30 minutes that are really good, really compelling. And people watch the whole thing, but a talk, you kind of had, to, it's like a joke. You kind of had to be there right. to really get it. Yeah. So if you do try to do 18 minutes of your talk with, especially without a ton of editing to, to chop it up, it's not going to work. People yeah. aren't even going to watch it that much. So I would say like, I do like this probably five to 10 minutes. I wouldn't go below that. Okay. Because you can usually find a five minute part of, or let's just say an eight minute part of your talk or a nine minute part, turn it into five minutes, take out a couple, just to jump cuts, to jump to different parts, really pare it down to the essentials. And that's going to be a great video. The other advantage of that is that you can steal some views from your competition. So the search engine is a big part of YouTube, but most of the views come from suggested video, which is a sidebar area next to a video. Yeah. So if you create a lot of great videos about your topic, when someone's watching a video on that topic, you can appear in the sidebar, people will be more likely to click over to you. If you only have your highlight reel, it's not going to really appear next to too many videos, but let's say you have 10 or 20 really good videos that are all just stuff you have lying around your hard drive, just turn them into awesome videos. Yeah. You can get more views on your videos and people will be much more likely to hire you. Got it. All right, cool. Hey, to, to wrap up, any other, uh, again, words of wisdom as it relates to YouTube specifically of what we should be thinking through? We've got a lot of footage. We can cut them up into you know, five, 10-minute chunks there and put them up. Um, is it one of those things, just kind of throw it up, set it and forget it, and if you build it, they will come? Or is, should there be more that we're, we're doing there? Well, I mean, it never hurts to promote stuff, to yeah. optimize it around keywords like we talked about with Google. But in general, YouTube's uses is a bit different than Google because it's not only reliant on the search engine. It's like a discovery platform too. So if you put stuff out there that's relatively well optimized and compelling, YouTube will find a way to get it in front of people, right? So especially if they're watching related stuff or just watch related stuff, it'll appear on your homepage. So yeah. if you can create, yeah, it's not like you need to create this huge YouTube channel. Obviously, just like with a blog, if you have a successful YouTube channel, you're going to have ridiculous amounts of people knocking at your door trying to hire you. But if you just want to kind of get a YouTube channel that looks kind of lived in, because if I was hiring a speaker and I went to the YouTube channel, they had one video, five subscribers, and it was just a highlight reel. It's something off-putting about it. Yeah, They don't look like a baller. You want to look like a baller. Right. So you want to have 20 videos and make them look good. Start with one, obviously, but over time, you can add them. And if you want to create videos that are just literally parts of your talk, 
but design for YouTube and film them. That's good too. But you can also just use you know, footage you have lying around. Cool. Brian, thanks for the time, man. This is super helpful. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, where can we go? I'd go to backlinko.com and sign up for the newsletter. Which listen, I'm just going to tell everybody right now, Brian's stuff is some of the most actionable, like in-depth stuff. And like block out some time to read his stuff. So it's just not like, I'm going to go read this 500 word post that I'm going to skim through. It's not like that at all. So buckle up, check out YouTube, his stuff there. Check out his blog, check out his newsletter. All amazing, amazing content. So Brian, we really do appreciate it, man. Sure. Thank you. All right. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brian Dean. I told you it was practical, told you it was applicable, told you there's a lot there, a lot of meaty goodness. All right. So hey, again, like I mentioned at the beginning, if you have an Amazon Echo, make sure that you add the Speaker Lab Minute to your daily flash briefing. Again, you can find that in your Alexa app and you get a daily speaking tip, less than a minute every single day, seven days a week. So again, make sure you check that out, the Speaker Lab Minute inside your Alexa app. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.